0: Learn more at marines.com Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We are recording on New Year's Eve and this is the morning after the night before when Nottingham Forest beat Manchester United 2-1 at the city Ground, with goals coming from Nico Dominguez and Morgan Gibbs-White which sandwiched Marcus Rashford's equaliser. In just a moment, we're going to hear from Bass and from Jeremy, which is a rare treat. Uh, but first of all, let's bring you the team news. And Forrest did make a couple of changes to the team that won um, so impressively away at Newcastle. So we had Matt Turner in goal. We had Gonzalo Montiel, Musani Akate, Murillo and Ola Aina across the back. And the changes came in the middle of the park where Ryan Yates came in for Ibrahim Sangare, accompanying Danilo and then on the left wing Nico Dominguez came in for Callum Hudson-Odoi alongside Alanga and Gibbs-White playing behind Chris Wood. Now um, obviously it's the first time we've beaten uh, Manchester United for 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 many many years and Vaz. Has... When I think about beating Man United, I, I think back to um, that famous Boxing Day victory under Frank Clark, wearing the blue and green kit, where goals from Collymore and Pierce. And I remember you and me uh, listening to that one on the radio and, and being overjoyed. So um, tell me, Baz, what was it like being in the ground when Forrest got that all important victory last night?
1: Um, it was the, um, the atmosphere was really, really good, as you'd expect. Um, singing You're Not Famous Anymore to the Man United fans were, made me laugh quite a lot, out loud a lot. And, I mean, it was... As, I didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want to jinx it, but as soon as I saw that Rashford was starting up front, I had a little feeling that we could beat them today. Um, it was just one of those things because he's caused us such problems when he cuts in from the left and he's not a centre-forward. So the fact that they they ended up like that, um I thought we we had a good chance. And it turns out we did. The and other thing I have to say as well is um when they came out, so my boss is a Manchester United fan. And so when they the two teams came out, I was like, What the hell are you wearing? You're wear, you dressed like humbugs. And he responded with, We've played like humbugs. Wow,
0: well, there you go. Um, Jeremy, uh not withstanding United's propensity for a terrible away kit um again I'm just thinking even further back I remember a wonderful victory in 1990 again at Old Trafford where Stuart Pearce scored an absolutely belting free kick um did this match last night roll back the clock for you
3: yeah I um I was I was following on on the radio, and we did seem to be all over them in the second half. It seemed to be constant waves of possession. Didn't I? Don't think create that many chances. And uh, there was something something nostalgic about a, a goalkeeper prone to the odd howler. Is somebody that grew up um, watching Mark Crossley?
0: Wow! Well, well we quite. Now. And um, and uh, I mean, I think. Um all I would say is that you didn't miss much in the first half. It wasn't exactly uh, wasn't exactly stimulating fair. But but Baz, um with that team selection, one of the things that we noticed was obviously he he went he removed an out and out winger in Hudson Adoy and he played Nico Dominguez as an auxiliary sort of number ten coming in from the left. And in the first half you were a little bit skeptical about that, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so that him and Gibbs White. It's not that they ran into each other, but there were there was moments where there weren't passes available because they were too close to each other and and it just made it kind of made sense because Dominguez wants to play centrally as well, and I couldn't really see what the point of it was, apart from and I think this is important was um is it mm mm-hmm. Menu he was basically tasked with marking Gibbs white and he kept him out of the game. So I was thinking the only reason I can think for playing Dominguez like that is because we're taking one of their midfielders out. So that leaves us a free man. So we've got an overload in the middle. Um, and to be fair, um, Ola Aina was, was basically playing as a winger for most of, the, most of the game as well. So he was very high up the pitch.
0: And, and Jeremy, um just to come to um the point that Baz just made is that uh, uh, Martin Keon on Match of the day he he went, he went hard on that, didn't he and He made the point that um by playing Dominguez essentially as an auxiliary number ten, it meant that there was that overload in the middle of the park where firstly in the first half, menu was was tasked with Gibbs White and um and, and on the whole did a good job but it meant that with Dominguez coming in that kind of doubled up and and that created the first chance of the game where um the ball came in from the right hand side and Dominguez was uh just the other side of the penalty spot he hit a shot and it was actually Mainu who who deflected it wide um again the second chance that came was um a move down the left hand side where Ola Aina got down that as as Baz said, he's almost playing as a winger, put the cross in, and Rafa Varane. You know, we've got a World Cup winner in our team. Man United, a World Cup winner in their team, is Rafa Varane, who made ended up looking very silly, and Montiello looked very impressive on the night. Varane almost put through his own net, and it was luck as much as judgment that prevented that. So there was probably some method in Nuno's madness, there wasn't there, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, I thought that uh, Kian was really interesting talking about the amount of space that was in the middle of the field uh, with uh, United not really having holding players, uh, dropping back to the back four. And certainly later in the game, that was a a big factor in in Gibbs-White's goal. Um, But yeah, I... I, I, it was it was great to see some proper counter attacking football and yeah that the incident with uh, Varane when it, it, it came off his thigh uh, and very nearly went uh, in, in, into his own net I thought was a great example of how even great players when they're under pressure uh, can, can 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 buckle.
0: Hmm. Yeah, uh, and well, you could argue about whether Oran is still a great player or not. There's, uh, that's that's not a conversation I think we should be getting into. Uh, well, Manu- anyone that
3: can keep hate, hate Barry Maguire out the side is, uh, it, it, it's got gotta be, go gotta be worth considering.
0: Okay, Well, um, now I don't want to dwell too much on the first half because. Frankly, there wasn't much exciting going on in there. What I will say is that I would say that Forest are were were by some measure the better team. And my concern was always, as you always worry about, that by not taking advantage of that, that we may end up becoming a cropper. But at half time it was nil-nil. And in the second half, I was a little bit surprised with Mainu. Who, by the way, in my mind, wins the Arsene Wenger Award for the uh, member of staff who's got the most similar name to the club that they represent? Um, <laughs> but Menu got removed at half time, and McTominay came on. And um, McTominay is a bit of an enigma in my mind, Baz, because to all intents and purposes, he—you think he should be a defensive midfielder. He's not. He's 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 maybe a number eight. He scores lots of goals for Scotland. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's not a defensive midfielder. But you could see the difference because all of a sudden that gap in in that kind of number six role was really, really apparent because Manu's just a kid, but he'd done a good job. So I was surprised to see him come off.
1: I was very, very surprised. And I think that more than not to take anything away from our players who were very, very good, but I think that substitution more than anything was what turned the game because... In the first half, Gibbs White had no space whatsoever. And in the second half, he had the freedom of the park and he basically ran the show um, because McTominay wasn't interested in sticking with him in the same way.
0: Mm. And um, and Man United shortly after the break also made a second uh, substitution, which was to take off Anthony and to bring on uh, Ahmad Diallo. Now, Here's something that surprised me. Diallo apparently cost 19 million pounds. Now, our own right winger. So they had 100 million pounds worth of right winger and our right winger cost 15 million pounds from from Manchester United. So um, obviously there have been a lot of people making hay about that on social media. But what I would say is the goal when it came, it came down the right hand side. But what I really loved about it was how crisp and precise the play from Forrest was, and Jeremy. That suggests to me a side that are gaining confidence after that terrible run of results that saw the end of Steve Cooper.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and it it's incredible the difference in in, in just a few weeks. And I was I was reflecting the uh, there that header uh, from Harry Toffolo against Wolf, the second one that just missed. Uh, just went over the bar. Had that gone in, you know, Steve, Steve Cooper could still be in a job, and we might not be having anything like this conversation. So it's amazing the kind of fine margins um, at this at, at this level. But yeah, I I thought the uh, the the football they played in the second half, albeit I didn't think there were that many clear cut chances, was um, certainly not symptomatic of a, of a or suggestive of a, a team low on confidence.
0: Mm. Um, I think it's, it, before we talk a bit more about that first goal, I think it's, it would be remiss of us to miss out that um, Man United actually had the closest uh, opportunity because the ball came from their right back, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who got down the wing, played it across, and Diego Dallo, um, who scored against Forest last season at the City Ground, he had a shot from just over 20 yards, which hit the post and then came back out again. So, Baz, at that moment, you know I said, oh, by not taking our chances in the first half, we might live to regret it. Were you fearing that? Because I certainly was.
1: To be honest, no, I wasn't. Because even though they'd had that chance, uh, I think Turner had it covered. And as far as the second half was going, we were the, the team that had all the energy they looked a bit like we did a few weeks ago where they looked a bit lost and looked like they were short on confidence and didn't have the the mentality to, to go at it, whereas we looked like we really wanted it. And so I, I was quite confident at that point, even though they'd hit the, bar, uh, the post but in that way.
3: And, but and I actually, remember last season. Go. I remember last season there was a spate of goals from outside the area. I remember Philip Billings's goal for Bournemouth being one that sticks in the mind. Uh, and you, um, at the time, you guys hi, you know highlighted that it was it was to do with people not closing down on the edge of the area shots from from, from that sort of distance. So, do you guys think that is it is still an issue highlighted by the the, the Dala chance?
1: Uh, I don't think so, actually. I think the, the, the Dallow chance more, it, it almost came out of nowhere. It wasn't a systemic failing for, on our part. It was just, and it, again, my boss who's the Man U fan. He says they have no way of playing. They just rely on individual brilliance. And they had one of those moments where Dallow managed to get a shot off, but it came out of nowhere. It wasn't because of our fault, if as it were, so which is on. not what so- was happening last year.
0: Could you go back to your boss, bars and say that Man United under Ten Hag at the moment are basically Forest under Montagnier, a bit shaky at the back and relying on any moments of individual brilliance to actually basically relying upon Rasmus Hoyland to be the Oli Burke of the Premier League?
1: <laughs> yes, although, to be fair, I've actually tried to cut that period of time out of my memory. <laughs> anyway, so but going
0: back to that thing, so obviously one of the things um, to address your point, Jeremy, is... Uh, Forest have by having the Mangalas and Sangares and and yesterday Yates and Danilo um, playing in that sort of deeper role. I think it has helped to 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 stem that. And then we actually saw the effectiveness of. I really liked having Yates back in the team yesterday, Baz. And rather than relying on individual brilliance, I say that crispness of passing. So Yates retrieved the ball. He played it back to Niekate, back forward to Yates, to Alanga on the wing. First time fed it inside to Montiel, who'd gone in the channel. Montiel gathered it, played it across to Dominguez, who was in that number 10 role um, between the 18-yard box and the penalty spot. And had acres of space because Mainu wasn't on the pitch anymore and McTominay wasn't covering. And a crisp first-time finish into the bottom corner. And that goal was a thing of beauty, wasn't it?
1: It was, but unfortunately I didn't see it because the people next to me were stood up and blocking my view. Oh. But, <laughs> but that's what quite often happens when it goes into one of the corners when you sit at the way line. So having watched it back, yes, it was absolutely fantastic. And I mean, we, we'll probably talk about this a bit later, I guess, but the, the way we play now is very reminiscent of a Steve Cooper side. It's uh, that... that transition the the desire the belief and the the mentality of it to just get the ball and take it up and use it uh not like playing 300 passes but just to get it up there and exploit the space as quickly as possible um which and that goal em- embodies that completely
0: and and the other thing that embodies the kind of I suppose, the heart and desire, uh, you know, and shows that confidence is a funny old thing. Uh, it was Morgan Gibbs-White's yellow card. Um, Jeremy, let's let's just talk about that just very briefly. It is a bit of a digression because it had no massive bearing on the match in the end, but um, uh, he was asked about it in one of the post-match interviews and he reiterated the point that he got the ball three times. But, um, yeah, there's a fine line between... That's the kind of thing where if you're feeling confident you go in and you yeah you, you overstep the mark and you get a yellow card um if things are going against you then the challenge on Johnny Evans he ends up going in two-footed taking the man out and getting a red card so confidence is a funny thing there isn't it
3: yeah well i referee the odd game at under 13s level and i wouldn't have given a yellow card there i was i was firmly on 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 morgan's side uh, i thought he got the ball i thought they were uh, it was there to be won. Um, it stopped Man United getting out and 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 um, setting their own attacks. But yeah, it's, there are. I suppose uh, I've never been in this position, so I, I can't say with any authority. But when you've got twenty nine thousand people cheering you on, then uh, yeah, there there is there is a temptation to. Um, to go for the for, for the for the money ball, yeah, you know, the, the money shot challenge, which I suppose uh, is one um, one thing that the players, you know sort of have to stay the right side of when it comes to to, to passion. But yeah, I the only, the only I always think that with yellow cards coming so cheaply these days and so easily, as we saw with uh, with Willie Bolly the other day, whatever the. Rights and wrongs of the situation. Once a player gets on a yellow card, it, 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 it's going to they're going to be treading a very fine line for the rest of the game. So yeah, uh, I think that, that, that that's one we need to bear in mind when we're playing at home, and that and the, and the, and, the, and the noise is is so deafening.
0: Um, just very quickly before I come to you, Baz, Also worth pointing out that uh, Aral Mangala. Um... Who came on as a sub later? The very first thing he did before he even touched the ball was to get a yellow card. But because we've now played nineteen matches in the Premier League, um, he avoids a, uh, a suspension, which might be might explain the reason why uh, Sangare came into the team for uh, the last match. So Sangare got suspended, but we we're going to be missing him for Afcon anyway. Whereas a Mangala suspension would have been a bit more damaging potentially. Um, uh, you know, and we need we need all the players we can get.
1: I just wanted to add as well, just for Gibbs White, um, just before he did those tackles that got him the yellow card, he had one of their players went through from behind on him and that's why he had to win the ball back. So he was expecting to get a foul given um, in his favour and that's what riled him up and he's not one of those like... um, Softly, softly number tens who's all skill on the ball and no fight. He's got a bit of a temper on him as well. So mm-hmm. that's okay. kind of where it came from, isn't it?
0: Well, Girao Carvalho probably wouldn't have reacted the same way, would he? So <laughs> <No>. um
1: okay. Strangely <laughs> enough, that was who exactly we was thinking of. <laughs>
0: um let's 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 talk about another player at the opposite end of the pitch. Baz, um, you've been going to the home matches all season. Um, let's talk about goalkeepers. Um,
1: Matt Turner discuss I've never ever seen a goalkeeper kick the ball upfield and then catch their own back pass (laughs) which is what he did just before the the goal Um, throughout the entire game obviously we our fans were making fun of Onana in the Manchester United goal but it only took 10 minutes for the Manchester United fans to realise that they could do the same with Matt Turner um he just he looked so shaky every time the ball went near him and it was um, i can't remember which Bournemouth game i think it was where there was a point where Nico Williams did a sliding tackle to avoid the ball going to Matt Turner <laughs> having said that he redeemed himself at the end of the game so um he's he's obviously got the talent there it's just a matter of um getting it focused or whatever but is is yeah he he looked shaky for most of the game. He didn't want to kick it. He, he he looked like he he had the jitters every time the ball went near his feet.
0: And and Baz, if we think back to the Tottenham match, um, where obviously that was another game where where the goal was given away because of Turner's inability with his feet, but then the ball went through his hands as well. If you see, I think that Turner's probably pretty good at saving things generally um, as a as a goalkeeper in terms of what he does with his hands and his body is probably generally all right. But if you get things wrong with your feet, then firstly, you're in bad positions and you're having to recover. And then secondly, naturally, it puts doubt in your own mind, which is why he let that shot through against Tottenham. Um, I say he had that he had that ricket just a couple of minutes before where he, he he went for what should have been a straightforward put your foot through the ball. If it goes into row Z, then fine. Ideally, you want it to go up the pitch. But it went up in the air and he ended up having to catch it. And, of course, that's why maybe he tried to pass it out rather than put his foot through it just a minute or two later. Now, Jeremy, I'm going to come to you with this one. Um, in the modern game, a goalkeeper being a goalkeeper just isn't good enough, is it? And and United signed honor because he's supposed to be very good with his feet. No one ever made that claim about Matt Turner, but at the same time, his standard of kicking—let's put it this way: there's a lot of emotion on the Forest timelines on social media, and I think we can agree that his his way does with his feet isn't good enough.
3: Well, they said that Peter Shilton was no good with his feet, uh, and I know it's a very different game these days, and keepers have got to be able to uh, to, to to play football. But if you watch the the highlights of the Luton. Chelsea match, uh, there was a cock-up involving playing out from the back. And that wasn't down to the keeper. That was uh, one of the Luton defenders. Um, but it does underline the you know, this. Um, I'm going to sound like an old man, which I, yeah, yeah. Uh, some might say I am here. Um, this you know, uh, obsession with, with with always playing out from the back. Sometimes... You do just have to put your foot through it. And I'm sure that, yeah, professional footballers, whereas they should be able to play, you know, simple short passes, it doesn't take a huge amount of training to to put your foot through the ball and put it into row Z uh, or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I I mean, it's not like... And, and again... Um, This perhaps betrays my lack of elite, um, not being an elite footballer, but it's not like he passed it straight to the player's feet. There, there was, there was, there was a nice little slide to intercept the pass before giving it to Rashford, and then Rashford didn't have it. It wasn't like a tap in. So there were, there were opportunities after that when his defenders could have potentially got him out of trouble. But yeah, I, I think lessons do need to be learned, Um, and the fact that he may went on to redeem himself, as Baz puts it, with a couple of good saves later in the game, you know, suggests that he just needs to cut out that part of his game and, 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 and if in doubt, get it launched, to quote um, uh, friend of the pod, Max Rushton. <laughs> um, Baz, I mean, what's clear is that
0: Nuno wants the team to play out from the back. He wants the goalkeeper to be able to do that. The other thing is Nuno, as an ex-keeper, has stuck with Turner rather than playing Odysseus, so, does that tell us something
1: um see i don't yeah i'm i'm not i don't think Odysseus actually did that much wrong um the the thing with him was and I can remember the first time I saw him play he he came across as very very calm, and I think maybe it's he's a little bit too relaxed um whereas and i think if you compare it to Brees Samba or Dean Henderson uh Bree samba obviously um i don't know smacking Phil Jagielka in the back of the head and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um playing to the crowd dean henderson used to play to the crowd caleor navas was just better than everyone any other keeper i've ever seen and then and then these two they don't have that big personality to to command their area so as soon as they get the jitters or or look like they're overly relaxed. I think it probably transmits through to the rest of the team, and I think we need to do something in that area because it's. Well, it's I was not going to ask you, the,
0: what's the solution?
1: Because it, it's it's not just the skills. It's not just the the letting the ball in or whatever. It's the 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 mentality of it. Uh, the the. I mean, yeah, I loved Bree Samba for, for playing to the crowd and I was very pleased when Henderson did the same. I like that sort of thing because it's the same way as I like it when Ryan Yates comes over and starts yelling at us when the referee goes to the VAR monitor. That's That sort of thing, it makes a difference just in terms mm-hmm. of atmosphere and, and showing whose side everyone's on. And, yeah, neither of those keepers are that kind of personality. So I would... I would I don't know how easy it is to buy a keeper in January but and whether it's even on the cards, but I think it's possibly something that we need to look at.
0: Maybe we'll return to that in a few minutes, but for the time being, let's go back to what happened on the pitch. And um, obviously there's that fear that that Turner's rickett has thrown away two points at least. And Jeremy, it was very heartening when... Uh, it was the ball coming in from the left-hand side. Um, Christian Eriksen had a shot from distance. It was a good save from Turner. Not so much because he saved it, but because he pushed it to the side. And if I had a criticism of Kaelor Navas, sometimes he didn't necessarily clear his lines in that in that way. Um, Ahmad Diallo made an absolute mess of of trying to get the rebound because of the way that Turner had pushed it to the side. Murillo got a foot to it. And Yates, all of a sudden gathering the ball just between the penalty spot and the edge of the 18-yard box, ran 64 yards with the ball. And it was a magnificent run, um, you know, showcasing his box-to-box capabilities before he played the ball out to the right-hand side, where Alanga um, then proceeded to cut inside. Now, one of the things about Alanga is... yeah. We've we've likened him in our group chats to Franz Carr, haven't we? And uh, in the sense of you're never quite sure what you're going to get. You know, we know he can run at people. We know he's fast. but You're never quite sure what you're going to get in terms of end product. And he cut inside and you get the impression he was probably looking to get it onto his left foot and have a shot. But then he looked up and played a ball into space where Morgan Gibbs White had the freedom of the city ground and put in a very, very nice finish. And because he had that time, he said in his post-match interview, he looked up, he composed himself, he took the time to breathe, and then he hit it where he wanted it to go. And it was another magnificent goal from Forrest, wasn't it, JD?
3: Yeah, well, I love a counter-attacking goal. And as you say, with Alanga, I think that the, 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 the Chris Wood incident um, the first chance at newcastle last week before he uh before he went on to score from the second uh, just for half time may well still have been in O'Langa's mind in that you know he 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 did get his head up and um realized that there were there were teammates better placed so yeah i think that when you look at the likes of anthony and and Ganache to an extent but anthony certainly um and compare the level of end product with someone like Alanga, who is producing the goods. Um and I've got him in my fantasy league team, so I've got the points to prove it. Uh yeah, it, it, it it's it, it it is surprising uh to, to uh, and and very pleasing uh to think that we managed to, to to pick him up. Uh yeah, it was a good ball. Again, um as you guys have observed, McTominay's reluctance to, to track back or, or pick up uh, Gibbs White, you know, was was notable in the amount of room he had. I mean, the amount, the the fact that Yaxi was managed managed to run that far, albeit it was a great run without much of a challenge, you know, suggests that there, there's something rotten at the heart of of, of Man United's midfield. which needn't necessarily concern us but yeah it was it was it was a great goal on on so many levels okay we'll be back in just a moment to talk a little bit more about the rest of
0: the match and some of the key talking points that we've already alluded to um stick with us and we'll be back in a minute the
2: 1865 match report
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal And what's the best way to watch it? Well, it's down at your local Green King Sports pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with your friends, old and new, and to get to your local for a pint, some food, and live action of every Christmas cracker when it comes to Premier League football. Each fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sports, which means wall-to-wall action on the huge HD screens, So head to your local Green King and watch every winning goal, top bins volley and, yes, dodgy VAR decisions in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sport app and you'll receive 10% off drinks every single time they're sport on the telly. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's
2: back to your match report. Hey guys, it's John here from the MAG247, I hope you're uh, all good, great result by you, bit of a managerial bounce hopefully, Uh, hopefully you can stay up, Uh, decent manager you've got there. Um, I know it didn't work out at at Spurs after he left uh, Wolves, but um, he's a decent manager, he's done it in the Prem, Uh, I think he'll do good at Forrest. Yes, hopefully he keeps you up, Um, not a great performance by us, shocking defending again. I thought we'd get a bit of a manage a bit of a bounce after the result against Villa, but it wasn't the case. Uh, I I worry about the manager's future, uh, especially with the new the new board coming in. Um they always look at the manager first things like one of the first things they'll do. So um I worry about the manager, but um yeah, great result for Forrest and I hope you stay up.
0: Thank you very much to John. Now Baz Naturally, John was was focusing quite a lot on Man United and as have the national media, unsurprisingly. But he also made the point about our own manager. And Morgan Gibbs White was at pains to point out. So Nuno played it down to credit goes to the players and to Steve Cooper for making Gibbs White a better player and all of that kind of stuff. But Morgan made the point that, you know what? It was down to the game plan. And that idea of having Dominguez as the auxiliary number 10, of exploiting that bit of space, um, as Martin Keoghan said on Match of the Day, that's very clearly a tactic from Nuno. So that's something to be very positive about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, um, and as I said earlier, I don't think actually what we're doing is that different to what Steve Cooper would have done, talking about the game plan and all that kind of thing. I think just it's as much a confidence or a after you've spent however many months listening to someone saying the same things over and over, you maybe you stop listening and having someone else say the same things, but in a different way makes a difference. But in terms of like all the, all the people saying, Oh, Steve Cooper is too negative. I don't think actually we, we are in any way. It's ex- counterattacking football is very, very exciting because the breaks and the transitions happen so fast, but actually we didn't really make that many chances and and it wasn't really an attacking football feast was it it was just uh, we were solid we seemed to have cut out most of our little defensive errors and we had the confidence to go at them when when the time was right which is which is great to see
0: mm. and and just uh, you know on on going back to the actual action of the game so nico williams had already come on for montiel when uh, when United equalised, uh, Baz. Firstly, when when that equaliser went in, were you fearing that Forrest had thrown away the
1: result? There's always that little little bit of fear, but again, we had the momentum, we had the energy. Even like uh, when the when the game kicked off again, Man United were were half a yard slower than us. Mm. So it looked like we wanted it, and they didn't. And they didn't even wake up until the last sort of the the bits of ten minutes of injury time,
0: yes, okay. So that's what it's going to come to next. firstly, ten minutes of stoppage time. It's. As uh, my my wife read a tweet as soon as the board went up, which said something like just the spectre of Alex Ferguson sitting in the stand has caused the linesman to to go for 10 minutes of stoppage time. Um, uh, I mean, okay, there were a couple of stoppages for um, I think there's a couple of injuries, uh, but there's nowhere near 10 minutes was there.
1: No, I don't know where that 10 minutes came from.
0: And then um and then Gibbs White went down during that 10 minutes and and bless him, he couldn't even run. He said afterwards it was a dead leg. Um, but he <laughs> he just went down like his like his leg had fallen off. Um and so he needed a bit of treatment. So it actually meant that we got um an extra minute on top of the 10 minutes of stoppage time. And right at the end, there were a couple of moments for Man United, most notably Ericsson's corner, which was floated very, very deep. Bruno Fernandez hit it on the volley. It was possibly going wide, but Murillo couldn't take a chance, got a foot to it, ball bounced down, Turner was going the wrong way and readjusted himself to poke it over the bar. Um, again, a good save, wasn't it?
1: That was a really good save, I thought. Um, and it shows that he's got the ability in there. Uh he'd obviously decided <laughs> that they will not pass.
0: Mm. And then right at the death, Ericsson had a shot which he poked wide from about the 12 uh the penalty spot. Um, and then that was literally the end of the match because the final whistle went before we could even take the goal kick. So even with those moments, you didn't feel too threatened then, Baz. Uh,
1: I, I, no, um, yeah. As I say, I don't think Manchester United woke up until that the the injury time. Um, they they never looked like they really wanted it um, mm-hmm. till then. And by then, yeah, you could see this determination in Turner. You could see this determination in the entire team. That we're not going to let them take this off us. Mm. Um, which, yeah, maybe three or four weeks ago, you'd you'd start seeing a few little doubts that uh, we're, we're going to make a mistake and then give it away. But mm. actually, I, d- I didn't get that feeling in the ten minutes um, mm. at the end. It was it. We looked like we wanted this, and we're not going to let anything stop us.
0: Mm. And um, just. Uh, as you might not have seen it in, in the ground, Baz, um, when Turner made that save uh, from the Fernandez, um volley, Moussa Niakate went and he, he, he picked him up and he ruffled Turner's hair. So they may not have confidence in him when he's got the ball at his feet, but they obviously, you know... It's about the team, and it's about also wanting your teammates to do well. So that's something that's really positive. Um, Jeremy, just to come to you, Forrest did make a tactical adjustment and a formation adjustment towards the end. So Hudson-Odoi, as I say, had come on for Dominguez, which meant that we had slightly more traditional shape. But then very shortly afterwards, there was a triple sub. And I'm always a bit sceptical about triple subs when they're just coming towards the end of a match, where you're trying to protect a lead. But we brought on uh Bolly and Mangala and um uh, someone else and <laughs> we took up Danilo and Alanga and and basically we went to a back 5 and went 541 and then that actually ended up in, with Morgan on the right-hand side and then when he got his dead leg Chris Wood went to the right and Morgan just floated further up the pitch again thinking about the kind of the tactical element and and, and protecting the game I think we've all agreed that in this conversation, we all quite like counter football. It's what we were brought up watching. These days, it's called a low block. And Steve Cooper was under pressure to move away from the low block.
3: And he never, I think that's possibly what brought about his downfall when i saw the team play at spurs last season it was very noticeable that that when they tried to build from the back you had jonjo shelvey dropping deep picking up the ball and immediately spraying a pass out wide to jesse lingard or emmanuel dennis um with half the length of the pitch to run before they could fashion a chance get the ball into the middle um Whereas when you've got someone that can drive through the middle before shifting the ball out wide in the final third, you've got a much better chance of creating a, a, a genuine goal-scoring opportunity, um, as we've seen in the, in the past couple of games, which gives us a much better chance of, of turning our possession into clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities. OK, thank you very much, Jeremy. Um, Baz, just
0: to come back to you, uh, just on the goalkeeper conundrum. Um there's been that kind of uh, the, the argument that seems to become accepted um, amongst forest supporters is uh, we've got two number two goalkeepers um and like you say what we don't definitely don't have is a big character and you know Navas wasn't a big character in the same way but he was a he's obviously a big personality and and a real kind of um that experience and leadership he brought in a albeit in a quieter way we don't have that between the sticks at the moment so is the solution that we give Odysseus ago in the cup match and see how it goes is the solution that we stick with Turner and then just give him intensive kicking coaching in the next three weeks or is the solution that we go into the transfer market
1: well I mean I don't know because I don't don't see what they're like in training but uh, I mean yeah yeah, the ideal would be to take one of our existing keepers and get them to step up a gear.
0: And let's not forget Nuno was a a decorated goalkeeper himself. So again, he's maybe may seeing things that we're not seeing.
1: We did say um, when, when the triple substitution was made, the bloke next to me went, Oh God, that means that if they score, then we've got no way of getting back into it. To which I said, yeah, but all we're doing is putting six players around Matt Turner. So the ball won't get to him.
3: <laughs> Just on that one, slightly unpopular opinion. Um, We all love a defender that can step out from the back. And Murillo's been getting a lot of love and a lot of um, headlines, shall we say, for doing exactly that. But it does strike me that every time he comes forward on one of his runs, there's a hole at the back and we end up conceding a chance. So, yeah, just to come back to the point about the low block, um, do we feel that that is... An issue that needs—I mean, it, it doesn't seem a particularly new no thing to have a defender bringing the ball forward like um, Frank Eberese or, or you know, Franz Beckenbauer. Do we think that's something that that, that that's going to need to be addressed in you know, harnessing Marillo's creative abilities in a slightly different style that doesn't leave the team exposed to potential danger?
1: I think we need to play a back three for that.
3: Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, I'm
0: sure, Baz, you've got an opinion on that. I mean, uh, thus far, Mangala's been the one who's kind of dropped into the hole uh, to kind of cover that. All I would just say is that I really, really like the idea of Murillo being the new Franco Barresi, So, <laughs> <laughs> And that seems like a good place on which to finish this particular match report. Um, so I'm going to say thank you very much to Jeremy and you'll be back with one of your sketches uh, when we record our review podcast, our review of the year, which will come in the next couple of weeks. Uh, thank you very much to Baz and also to producer Winston uh, for your thoughts on today's match. And thank you to John from the magnificent uh, 24-7 podcast providing the view from Manchester United. Uh, we will be back with the Friday Five coming up on, well, Friday. And then we will have a re- re- report after the cup match on, uh, it on Saturday, is it on Sunday? Since so it's on Sunday, I think. Sunday, I think. Yeah, it's on Sunday. So uh, we will be back with a report then. And during the little break, we will have a couple of podcasts for you, say our review of 2023 and also... We hope to have an interview uh, with an author who's talking about the Forest and Derby rivalry. So keep an ear on your podcast feeds for that. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to us throughout 2023 and Happy New Year to you all.